0: If you please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter eight with me. We're going to be breaking away from uh, our studying Galatians for this week as we meditate upon the miracle of the resurrection, what it means to you and to me in terms of our standing before God and our future. As you uh, turn there, let me encourage you, as, as Mike already mentioned, to to think about if you're a part of the Bethany Community Church family, to think about. Participating in our Sunday school ministry, adult Sunday school ministry, and the new classes begin next week. And uh, Dave's going to be teaching on uh, "Christ is Enough," Paul's letters to the Colossians, and that's going to be, a, I know, a great study. Uh, dealing with perfectionism and pride is going to be taught by Kevin Martin, and he told me it's going to be the best class. This class on pride just has to tweak a couple things. Uh, on the perfectionism side, um, and then uh, proclaiming the beauty of Jesus through compassion ministry, uh, compassion and mercy, uh, taught by Ben, Jake, and Wayne. And all, all, all those classes, I'm sure, are going to be a great time of encouragement as we uh, talk about those things. Also, uh, for those of you who are part of the Bethany Community Church family, for those of you who are not, welcome. We're so glad to be able to worship with you this morning. It's so great to see so many uh, family and, and friends here this morning. But for those of you who are part of the Bethany community family, just a reminder that we're in a season where we are uh, discerning God's will uh, through his providential provision uh, concerning our building ministry. And part of that discerning God's uh, providence, his direction, is, is the uh, pledge cards. And so if, if God is laying in your heart to contribute to that ministry, if you would uh, turn those in ne- by next week, we're continuing to, to be excited about how God might allow us to minister and worship uh, at our uh, Dutch Lane campus. And so please uh, consider uh, turning those in uh, next, next week if, if you would. Well, we're here in Romans chapter 8, and we're really going to be looking at verse 11. But let me read this morning a little bit before that and give you a little bit of the context, uh, beginning in verse 9. And if, if you're able to this morning, if you would stand with me in honor of God as we read his word together. Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 9, we're really going to be uh, looking at verse 11 in some greater details. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and here's what Paul writes in the book of Romans, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. In verse 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. May God encourage you through his word. You may be seated. Father, we are grateful to you this morning for your son. We pray that you would uh, open our, our minds to understand this and our, our hearts to apply this. We we praise you for the fellowship we have through the work of your spirit in our lives. We pray uh, today for one another. We pray that we would feel the, the unity of your spirit. Father, we, we pray for our uh, brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka, we pray for the church there that is just reeling this morning we, we pray that uh, as families mourn and as our, our brothers and sisters in christ mourn we pray that the gospel would be sufficient for them as we know that it is we pray that the beauty of the gospel and the treasure of jesus christ even in the midst of, of tragedy uh, would uh, be shown we pray that in our own lives uh, the the beauty of your son jesus would be demonstrated through our lives And yes, Father, even even if need be, uh, through our deaths. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. I was reading a a couple things this past week that reminded me of of the power of sin and the death that sin produces. Uh, One of them was a book by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Pastor Lloyd-Jones wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. Lloyd-Jones was a Welsh pastor, kind of ministered in the mid-part of the last century, and in this book, Spiritual Depression, he begins by talking about some of the things that are obstacles to experiencing the fullness of God's joy in a Christian's life. And he talks about this man who became a Christian at the age of 77. He was 77 years old when he heard the gospel and God in his grace drew him to himself. And this man at 77 placed his faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. And there was this beautiful service on Sunday night when the man was received into membership at this church and received his first communion at the age of 77. Just a a beautiful evening. Then the next morning came. And this man arrived at Lloyd-Jones' home just sobbing and in tears and and distraught. And Lloyd-Jones writes this, he says his, his trouble, this man's trouble was this, after going home from that communion service, he had suddenly remembered something that had happened 30 years ago. It says he was with a group of men 30 years ago, drinking in a public house, and they were arguing about religion. And on that occasion, he had said in contempt something very vile about the person Jesus Christ. And it had all come back to him suddenly last night. And there was, he felt sure, no forgiveness for that, for this this one thing and Lloyd-Jones goes, Lloyd-Jone goes on, he says, that's, that's the kind of thing I'm referring to, something a man has once said or done that haunts him and comes back to him and makes him miserable and wretched, though he, he still subscribes the full Christian faith. These are people who seem to be quite clear about the doctrine of salvation, except they feel that in, in their case, there's something, their sin, this particular sin, or the form that sin has taken in their case, which somehow puts them in a different category. They say, yes, I know, but, they're held down, they're miserable Christians, they're suffering from this state of spiritual depression as they, they contemplate this sin in their lives. So they're, they're believers, but they say, okay, I know that sin is powerful, and I, I know the spiritual death that sin produces, and, and I know the gospel, I know that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for my sins, but, but, but what if? You know, what if in this circumstance Christ is, is not sufficient and, and, and they worry and they're concerned and it sends them sometimes into a spiral and maybe that describes some of you this morning. You say, okay, I know that Christ is sufficient. I know what the gospel says. I know the gospel says that Jesus Christ deals with all sin. But as I think about this one sin, maybe it's a sin in my past. Maybe it's a sin that I'm wrestling with right now in my, my present. As I think about this sin, I don't know. <laughs> Sin is powerful. Sin produces spiritual death. What hope do I have as I think about the, the spiritual death that sin produces? There's something else I was reading this, this past week. Every August on our anniversary, Whitney and I read each other uh, our, our journals from the previous year. And, and I try to once a month kind of sit down and update the journal, but, but generally sometimes it turns out like, August sixth the, the night before our anniversary i 'm typing out the whole thing real quick as much as i can but but i i 've tried the last year I tried to kind of stay up with it, and, and uh, this year I sat down again this, this past week to kind of begin catching up in the journal, and I knew I was behind. Um, I, I had not written anything since uh, since my dad passed away in, in December it was just, I knew it was going to be hard emotionally to, to sit down and think about what had happened again. But I, I can do this, and so I sat down and. I began to try to remember what happened in December, and what happened here, and what happened next, and and everything kind of seemed to blur, and so I, I began reading texts from my mom from the month of December, and it was just, it was, it was heart-wrenching, right? You see Hope, okay, he's, he's sick, but... but Oh, we think he's doing better today, and, and things are probably on the mend, and you know, maybe we'll get out of here. And then the next day, uh, okay, dad's in kind of a fog again, not sure what's going on. And then there was the, the, the day that he broke his leg, and then the, he, was, he just kind of just deteriorated after that. And then there was one day where things seemed like they were getting better. And then on the morning of the 26th, got a text from my mom saying, probably, uh, you know, we're in the last stages here. We're looking at, at seven to ten days probably. And, and then it uh, wasn't even two hours, got the next text and said, dad is now with uh, his, his heavenly father. Okay. Now I read those texts and, and you read the physical descriptions that my mom uh, is, is giving of my dad and, and of his body and, and the things that are, that are, that are going on. And, and what do you see there? As, as I read those, I go, okay, that's, that's I, I see sin and the power of sin and the, the, on the physical body and what living in a, a world affected by the fall does to the human body. You, you just recognize that, you realize that, you, you accept that, and you recognize that sin is powerful and sin produces death, physical death. There's spiritual death that sin produces and there's also physical death. And this morning, you know, my mom posted something on uh, Facebook about, you know, dad celebrating his, his first uh, Easter in Heaven, and there is joy in that, but as we 're honest, we also say, okay, but there's there's a part of us that says, okay what if you know how, how can I be, be confident that that's where my my Father is, and how can my hope be be secure in that? How can I continue to remind myself of the, of the Gospel that my Father believed and take comfort in God and his work and his power? The weight of sin, the reality of sin, and the death that sin produces. Physical, spiritual death that sin produces, it's real. It's weighty. Who saves us from this? What hope do we have? And the answer, of course, is found in the resurrection a resurrection that we encounter in Scripture that that is only possible because of the power of God. This passage here in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, describes the awesome power of the Holy Spirit. And and this is kind of the main thing that I want us to grasp and meditate upon this, this Easter Sunday. It's, it's the present, in the presence of death, it's the, the awesome life producing spirit who overcomes our fear as he, he gives life. In the presence of death, it's this awesome life producing spirit who overcomes our fear as he gives us life. The Holy Spirit is our life giver, our life producer. So I want us to look at three resurrections that we encounter here, either explicitly or implicitly, here in Romans chapter 8, verse 11 and see the power of the Holy Spirit at work as we see these three resurrections. Here's the first one. Resurrection number one we encounter as we think about what the Holy Spirit did in the past, and look at your Bibles there, if you will, and look at what we see Paul write. He says, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Now, what's what's the first thing that we notice as we begin that verse? It's the word if. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Now, now what is Paul saying? If, if you have your Bibles there and, and you're in the book of Romans, you can kind of flip back to the beginning of Romans. And as we encounter the beginning of Romans, we see that we have a need. There's a problem. Paul says in verse 16, I'm, I'm not of chapter 1 of the book of Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, For the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation to, listen, he says, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so, as as Paul begins the book of Romans, he lets us know that all of us have a need. And the answer to that need is found in the gospel. The need that you and I have is for something he calls righteousness, God's righteousness. And then he goes on through chapter 1 and into chapter 2 and all the way into chapter 3. And he describes the, the reason that we need righteousness. None of us have righteousness in and of ourselves. The, the Jew doesn't have righteousness. The, the moralist doesn't have righteousness. The Gentile doesn't have the righteousness that he or she needs. And you come to chapter 3, and he, just, he according to the psalmist, describes the, the depravity, the, the sinfulness of all human beings, and then he comes into uh, verse 23 of chapter 3, and he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? All of us are indebted to are in debt to God. All of us owe a debt that we cannot pay in and of ourselves. This past week, I was uh, walking through the the dining area and for home, and I heard my, my sons talking to each other, and, and one son gave the other son like five dollars, and I thought, well, that, and the, and the other son said, thank you, and the first son said, you're welcome, and I thought, that's kind of an interesting exchange. I said, what's going on? And uh, they said, well, I owe him some money, and he owes his sister some money, and so I'm giving him the money so he can give his sister the money, da, 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 da. and I'm like, well, how did, how did this indebtedness take place? Because, well, we went to we went to McDonald's, and I didn't have my wallet, and my sister had her wallet, and then we went to Dairy Queen, and I had my wallet, and my brother didn't have it. And so there was just this uh, major monetary transaction that had taken place, and apparently this, this happens somewhat frequently. Our kids go out, and one has their wallet, and one doesn't, and, and there's these little debts that they owe each other, and, and uh, some of them are written down, uh, some of them are not, but they, they, they all kind of know what the debts are, and they, they pay them off. You can follow up on this. I don't know. They seem to pay them off pretty quickly, right? It's not a big deal, small debt, small potatoes. I also read an article this week about the state of Illinois. <laughs> Apparently that's a bigger problem. Uh, you know, we're, we're in billion, literally billions and billions of dollars in debt, and there was a new plan, and, and, and God bless our politicians, um, there was a new plan that was unveiled this week, or kind of some, some things, and here's how we're going to deal with it, and I, I don't know, it doesn't, I, I don't, no one thinks it's really going to work, right? Even the people that are coming up with the plan said, look, all I'm doing, I'm just, I'm just delaying this for 10 years, and hopefully people from the future will be way smarter than we are, because I don't know, right? <laughs> I think they said, like, if every Illinois taxpayer paid, like, $50,000, we'd, we'd be out of debt until the next day, right? And then we'd be millions of dollars in debt again, right? Now, that seems like an insurmountable debt to all of us, right? We think about that. There's, there's no way out of this, it feels. Now, as, as, as much more debt that is compared to my children's debt, the, the debt that we owe God is even infinitely greater than that. It, it's, a, it's a staggering amount. We as, as finite creatures have sinned against a holy God. And the book of Romans is telling us, look, there's, there's nothing you can do to pay off this debt. There's no, there's no action you can perform that will allow you to have the righteousness that you need before God. That's what Romans is telling us. And so what does God do? God, the book of Romans tells us, sends his own son to deal with our debt for us. It says in verse 6 of Romans 5, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if all we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. As we go through the book of Romans, we see it very clear. We are not saved by our works. We are saved on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we receive the gift of God's salvation one way and one way only God in his grace draws us to himself and we place our faith in Jesus we say okay I have this debt I cannot pay and I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation that's what comes across very clearly in the book of Romans and then we come to chapter 8 and you look at verse 1, and what does verse 1 tell us, tell us? It says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that means not just no condemnation in the future, but no condemnation in the present as well. In other words, as one commentator said, every time we, we encounter sin in our life and we say, okay, I'm going to feel guilt about this sin, what we're saying is I'm going to insist on helping God with my salvation. There's, there's nothing we can do and guilt trying to Kind of like pay God back for what we've done is counter to the gospel. Here in Romans 8, he describes the fullness of the penalty that Jesus Christ paid in his humanity there at the beginning of of chapter 8. And then we see that we're in Christ, those first, uh, fourth verse of Romans 8. And then we see the contrast of living in the spirit and the flesh. And the the flesh there means the the world or all that's characteristic of life and rebellion against God. And uh, we see then Paul draws attention in verses 9 and 10 more directly to his audience. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. And then verse 10, if Christ is in you. And then the verse that we're looking at this morning, verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So what, what does this mean? He's describing the resurrection of the Holy Spirit, didn't the, the, was, the power of the Holy Spirit was involved in, in the past. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the first thing that I want you to notice is that there's an if here. And this morning, if you are not in Christ, if you are not a Christian, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, the hope that is offered here does not yet apply to you. And my encouragement to each of us would be that we would place our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Maybe you've been aware of the Christian story. Maybe you've been aware of the Easter story. You're aware of church. You're aware of Christian things, but there hasn't been a moment in your life where you've recognized your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ because of the debt of your sin, trusting in him to pay it fully. Today would be the day I would encourage you to do so. So Paul says, if, if this is you, if you're a Christian if you're a Christian, consider the power of the work of the Spirit in the past. And, and what, what does he say about the past? He says, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. What is, what is he talking about there? He's talking about the work of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, the triune God involved in bringing Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus Christ raising from the dead. We think about the story that Kirk read as, as he began his, his prayer from um, Every gospel account mentions the resurrection. We see it here. Uh, Kirk read from Luke chapter twenty-four, and as, as we think about the resurrection accounts throughout Scripture, we, we see that the resurrection isn't specifically described in any of them. In other words, say, "Okay, first this happened and this happened." What we see though is the, the resurrection occurring. We see it occurring, to, and disciples finding out about it who didn't expect it. We see reports of resurrection doubted, and then them, be, them uh, being uh, the people who doubted being. Uh, being confronted with the risen Lord, and Jesus appears to a variety of people, male and female, and the result the result of all of the gospel stories is an unshakable conviction in Jesus' resurrection. Every person in the, in the stories who encounters the risen Lord is confronted with the reality of the resurrection and the power of God at work. The work... The Holy Spirit is a work of power. And Paul says, look, the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, resides in you. And this is the Spirit whose power was used by the Father in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the second second resurrection. We see next in the verse what the Holy Spirit will do in the future. He says, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, so that's, that's what the Spirit, that's what the Father did with the power of the Spirit in the past. He says, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The problem in verse 10 is that it's obvious that these bodies are victims to the fall. In verse 10 of Romans 8, Paul says that if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, in other words, the, 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 the body is dead because of sin. Sin's power has, has worked its, 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 uh, its way in producing death. And the, the bodies that we have, the physical bodies that we have, are, are victims to the fall, are victims to, to, to living in a, a fallen world. And, and all, of us, all of us realize that's true, right? All of us, as we think about our, our current bodies, we can see, and I mean, not all of us, uh, those of us who are a certain age, we can see the effects of, of the fall and living in a fallen world on our bodies. Yesterday, I was, I was running with two guys, and, and uh, one of them's a little bit older than me, one of them's a little bit younger, and the guy that's, that's younger than me, is, uh, is talking about setting personal records in his running. You know, I'm going to run, I'm going to run this fast, I'm going to run this fast. And the other guy and I are like, you know, we measure success in just like, how much slower am I running today than five years ago? Oh, not that much. That's, 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 that's a win, right? You know? went, to the, went to the dermatologist on a Friday, and I was, I was talking to the dermatologist and just kind of doing this, this, the skin cancer check and had some spots before. I said, how does this look? How does it look? Said, yeah, those are just those are just aging spots. I said, oh, um, what do you do for that? Um, <laughs> and he said, well, I, I, I said, you know, this, this is how I make my money. I, I got <laughs> to look good. And um, he said, well, here's a bottle. And, and, you know, you put this on your face every night. And I said, how much does it cost? He says, $80. I said, I'll just tell better stories or, you know, <laughs> do something with the lighting or something. It's going to... That's the reality of, of, of our bodies. They're, they're aging, and the aging process happens to all of us, right? Now, now what, as, we, as we encounter that in our lives and the lives of others, and, and the effects of living in a fallen world, what, what hope do we have? And, and he says, look, if, in verse 10, if the problem is that the, the body's dead, and we see the effects of the body being dead because of sin, living in a fallen world. Uh, the, the good news is that there's a spirit. He said, well, how is that good news? And he says in verse 11, again, he says, well, look about the future. If, if the spirit, if, if the Holy Spirit... The spirit, who, the spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and so God the Father was involved in the resurrection of the Son, the Son was involved in the resurrection of the Son, the spirit was involved. Of all the, the triune God is involved in raising Jesus from the dead. We think about the past, and we also think about the future. In the same way, he who raised Christ, Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His, his spirit who, who dwells in you. God the Father brought Jesus from the dead. It says in Romans 10.9, God raised him from the dead. 1 Corinthians 6.14, God raised him from the dead. 1 uh, Ephesians 1 20 talks about God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And we see the son being involved in the resurrection. John 10.17, Jesus says... For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I, I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my, my, my Father. So we see the, 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 the Father, the Son, all involved in the resurrection. We also see the Spirit here in Romans Romans eight eleven. It's, it's the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from dead. This is the, the Holy Spirit. Earlier he talks about the Spirit of, of Christ, and that's talking about the Holy Spirit as well. The Spirit is involved in this, this process of, of giving life. John 6.63 says it's the Spirit who gives life. 2 Corinthians 3.6 says the Spirit gives life. As we think about the reality of living in a, in a body that is affected by the fall, we recognize that the, the Spirit who dwells in us is this, the same Spirit who was. Involved in the resurrection of Jesus in the past, the resurrection that we're meditating on this morning, and we have hope as we think about the future. The Spirit is one who gives life. I was thinking uh, this, this past week about that, that scene in the, the Chronicles of Narnia and the, and, this, the, the, um, and the Magician's Nephew, the story of the Magician's Nephew. and It's that scene where Narnia is created, this, this land Narnia is created by... by uh, Aslan, by this, this, this Christ figure, and, and it describes just the, the life-giving nature of, of this, this creature, and it's, it's this image of the life-giving nature of, of God. Listen to how Narnia comes into being, this, this, this universe. It says, in the darkness, this is a story, in the darkness something was happening fast. A voice had begun to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory found it hard to decide from what direction it was coming Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath him. Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth itself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune. But it was, beyond comparison, the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. It was so beautiful he could hardly bear it. Then two wonders happened at the same moment. One was that the voice was suddenly joined by other voices, more voices than you could possibly count. They were in harmony with it, but far higher up the scale, cold, tingly, silvery voices. The second wonder was that the the blackness overhead all at once was blazing with stars. They didn't come out gently, one by one, as they do on a summer evening. One moment, there had been nothing but darkness. Next moment, a thousand, thousand points of light leaped out where there had been nothing. Now there were stars, constellations, and planets brighter and bigger than any in our world. There were no clouds. The new stars, the new voices began at exactly the same time. If you had seen and heard it, you would have felt quite certain that it was the stars themselves who were singing, and it was the first voice, the deep one, which had made them appear and made them sing. They made you feel excited until you saw the singer himself, and then you forgot everything else. As we think about the Spirit, we recognize that the Spirit is part of the triune God, is the one who brings life. The Spirit is a life producer. And as we think about the basis of our hope, the basis of our hope is we think about what we're hoping in. We're not hoping in just the ability to someday Uh, see our loved ones we're we're basing our our hope in this idea of the resurrection the idea that it's the spirit who is going to work in the future what he has done in the past that God the father is going to do in the future what he's done in in the past that God the son is going to fulfill in the future what he said he would do in the past our hope it's in the resurrection. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is an important part. To, I, I'm, I'm kinda, I was kind of debating about whether or not to say this, but I think this is an important thing to say. It, it's, I want to make sure I have the time to say it because I know many of us have lost people we love. And I, I, but at the same time, sometimes as we think about the people we love who we've lost, we don't think rightly about them. And I would confess that I sometimes don't think rightly about this as, as well. So, so for example, I mentioned this on a Sunday night recently, sometimes as we think about the, the people that we've lost, there's this, there's a right awareness that they haven't ceased to exist. You know, death doesn't mean no longer existing. It means that there is a barrier between ourselves and the person we love who has passed away and at the same time, we recognize the reality of that, that gulf that exists now, but because we're believers, but the person we love was in Christ, we say, okay, I believe I believe that this isn't the end of our story together." But sometimes we can think about that wrongly too. We can say, "Well, because that person still exists, maybe there are ways that I can communicate with them, Maybe I can feel their presence now, or, or maybe that they're, you know maybe in the, the, the wind, I'm hearing their voice or something like that now. I don't think it's wrong to recognize the influence of someone we love still in our life. I believe, uh, you know, <laughs> this morning, um, this I did not clear this story with my children. Uh, this, this morning, my, my children came down uh, wearing some, some uh, shorts, and, I was, and the voice of my dad was in my head saying, on Easter Sunday, really? And, uh, you know, my kids very graciously responded, just, hey, you know what? And so dad, still with me in the sense, he's still influencing me, right? Still influencing how I think, you know? But, but he's not here. There, there's a gulf. And, and that gulf cannot be, cannot be bridged in any way other than the resurrection. In other words, it, it's my, my hope is not in, in me praying to my father. It's not in somehow him coming back, his spirit being with me. It, it's, it's not until the resurrection that, that reunification fully takes place. That's how the problem of our separation gets dealt with. It doesn't get dealt with through chance. It doesn't get dealt with through hope. It doesn't get dealt with through, through gentle breezes. The only way that the death is overcome is, is through the resurrection. That's the only way the, the gulf is, is, is bridged. And so as, as I think about the future, my, my hope is I think about the reality of sin producing physical death and sin producing spiritual death, my hope is not in my works to overcome the spiritual death. My hope is not in my, my good thoughts to overcome spiritual death. My hope is in the power of God, specifically here in verse 11, the power of the Holy Spirit who works within me as I think about the past and as I think about the future. That brings us to the third thing. What is the Holy Spirit doing in the present? This is the, the third resurrection that I want us to think about. He says, again, if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. In, in other words, that the Holy Spirit is not some, some, uh, some God that we encounter only in the future. He's not some God that only existed in the past. He's eternal God, and now he is the God who is currently dwelling within us. God, the Holy Spirit, the personal Holy Spirit dwells within us. And, and who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the one who brings life? Ezekiel thirty-six says, "And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules." In Titus three five, we we, just, we, we see a resurrection of, of sorts take place, our spiritual resurrection. It says that God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. In the present, it is the Holy Spirit who brings our lives. Nicodemus asks Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? And Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless one is born of of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, here's our hope this morning. Our hope this morning, as I think about sin producing spiritual death and sin producing physical death, my hope this morning is in God. And I see the work of the Spirit in in the past in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And I meditate on that this morning and it gives me hope as I think about my future. And as I think about the future and the work of the Holy Spirit and the the future and the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the past, what does it fill me with? It fills me with hope as I think about the Holy Spirit's work in the present. Right now, believing that the work the Holy Spirit did As he was involved in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that same power is at work within me. Lloyd-Jones talks about this, this man that I mentioned at the beginning, this, this 77-year-old who was struggling with the sin, and he, he reminded this man, look, it's, it's not, Jesus didn't come to, to save his people from some of their sins, but, but from all of their sins. The angel didn't say it was, it was all the sins except the ones that you've committed. No, it's he shall save his people from their sins. We must be clear about justification. We're righteous, not just at the moment when we believe, but permanently righteous. The Holy Spirit who has begun his work in us will continue to work with his power in our lives until the moment of our death and our resurrection. In the presence of death, the awesome life-producing spirit provides us hope, overcomes our fears, as he gives us life. He is the life giver, the life producer. I'm going to invite the men to begin to make their way forward who are going to pass out the elements of communion. And I encourage you to meditate upon the work of the Holy Spirit this morning in your life. We're going to sing a song, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, and there's this line in the song, Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. How, how was Christ resurrected? Well, we look at the past and we contemplate the, the miracle of his resurrection. And as we think about the miracle of his resurrection, uh, a miracle that we are still pondering. And, and even as I was driving here this morning, I was praying, I was like, Lord, I'm about to talk about something. I, the more I think about it, sometimes the, the less I understand and my, 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 my ability to grasp this just sometimes seems so far beyond me. It's a miracle we are still meditating upon and and contemplating and being changed by 2,000 years later. It's a miracle that we anticipate will continue to reverberate into eternity, and it's a miracle that we rejoice in this morning. Christ in power, resurrected as we will be when he comes. That resurrection we look forward to is changing us, molding us, comforting us, even this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, we would ask in your grace that you would change us, that you would cause us to continue to be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would continue to to work within us. We pray for our comfort. I pray for those this morning who are weighed down by by sin and the the death that sin produces. I pray that you would give them hope and joy. They would believe the power of the gospel in their lives. For those who are contemplating the reality of, of physical ailments, that they would rejoice as they think about the future the work of your spirit in their lives. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Help us to trust in the message of the gospel and the person of Jesus today. And we pray this in his name, amen.